This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. How are you? How'd you pull up after our big adventure down to Victoria? First, your second trip to Melbourne. Yes, yeah, second trip to Melbourne. It's not a bad sort of city, actually, as far as city goes. But um, yeah, it, it was a big weekend, and I can say that by the time I um, yeah the next morning after being home and getting up for work, I was a little bit dully, but um, managed to drag myself out and get a bit done. So um, that nah, was good. It was well and truly worth it, anyway. So. So if you guys are listening, anyone listening, follow us on socials. You may have seen we went down to the Ultimate Fishing Expo. It was in the Melbourne Convention Centre. Uh, it was it, We didn't know what to expect personally because that was our first time exhibiting as social yeah. fishing. I go to the boat shows and talk. I've been to the caravan and camping shows and talked. I actually talked at this um, show as well or expo, uh, but yeah. we also went with a stall. It was uh, more thanks to Karen because she saw it pop up uh, being from Victoria and said might be worth going and I was mm-hmm. kind of on the fence and you were like, let's give it a go and I'm really glad I'm really glad we did, not just for the the show itself and um, but the, well, actually just for the whole heading down, seeing people we've never seen before but meeting members, people we've never met yeah, before, our members, really it was good, good eh? Yeah, good as. Um, yeah, I was pretty keen to do it because I thought, you know, it's a good idea for us to sort of stretch ourselves out and, and in that direction as well and you know, being that it was the first time around that the expo has been run, I think it was, um, you know, good to, to jump on it straight away. And, yeah, catching up with, with existing members and, you know, watching people's faces as we explained, um, you know, the membership to people. And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Even, yeah, just the whole catching up and chatting and, you know, you're on your feet. It's hard work. Like, it's not hard work, but it's, you know, they're big days, but you, you're on your feet, but you're talking fishing all day long, so... I don't know. That's kind of pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's not hard. It was. It was definitely just when you sat down in the day, like, well, that was a big day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ate like half as much as I would normally eat because I just had to yeah. Time. Um, yeah, that was strange, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was good. Uh, it was. Thank yep. you to everyone. So if you listen to our podcast, and if you are a member, even if you're not, we we heard from numbers of people who aren't members who listen to the podcast. It was actually probably the one thing yeah. that came up the most. And yep. in Mixed in with that, it was when's the next one coming out? Why don't you do more? I want more. <laughs> so I'm just going to say to I said it. I apologise to about the ten people I talked to at the expo that asked about the podcast. But to everyone listening, thousands of you out there, apologies. Yeah. Um, it's not that we don't have. She was just sitting around doing nothing. We literally have been going yeah. flat knacker since we got back, but we have yeah. big plans to up our productivity this year. Um, and when that happens, we'll be rolling the podcast out, heaps and heaps of them. So don't be worried. It's yeah. not going anywhere. If anything, it's going to get bigger and more of. Uh, so don't be scared because, yeah, it's, it's there's going to be plenty of them coming out. And we know you guys love them because yeah. just you, half of you are listening to it now, probably sitting in the car. It's just yeah. good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I think there was a couple that mentioned, you know, they were on a, on their way to here or there a bit. 
and you know, listen to this one and listen to your last one. Like, when's the next one coming out? I've got a trip that I'm doing up north, and yeah, it was really, yeah, it's really good to sort of think that you know you, you sit down and do these things, but to then hear the the receiving end of it, it's, it's yeah, pretty cool actually. People actually do listen to you, Dan. They do, believe it or not. Yeah, I don't know how much they actually pay attention, but yeah, the noise is there, I guess. From you, the noise yeah, is there. Yeah, from you, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people definitely listen to what I have to say. Yeah, well, you say a lot, so <laughs> even if they took in ten percent, um, it's still it's still a fair bit to take in. I have to say a lot. There's lots of videos and podcasts. Imagine if I didn't say anything. <laughs> Um, yes. So it was good. We caught up with people we knew, um, people we'd met that live all around the country who caught a, sort of come to this sort of event, um, people in the industry that was really good to catch up with, um, met yep. a few different people. The, the best part was meeting members. So if you were a member and you come and say g'day, awesome to meet you and also the new members that jumped on board um, and yeah. the stories from people we've helped. And So yeah, we will go again. We will probably make it bigger. So if you missed out this year... Yeah. I don't know if we'll do any other expos because other expos are boat or outdoor ones. I just don't know if they fit, but a, a fishing-based, just fishing-based one, um, mm. it was quite quite good. Ideally, it would have been better to have been bigger. A lot of you who did go might have been surprised at the size of it. I was surprised yep. at the size of it. Being the first year, hopefully, following up, it can be twice as big. It would be a really good event if it was twice as big. Oh, I yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, I can only see it growing. Uh I think for what was there and, and the way it was organised, it was actually pretty good. But um, obviously, there's always going to be some teething problems, and you know, trying to get things lined up properly and communication and all that sort of stuff. You're going to hit a few hurdles, and you know, it, there's probably plenty of lessons learnt by those that are organising it. So, I can, yeah, I can definitely see it growing. It was really well received by the, you know, they had a lot of people through those doors that were lined up right outside, sort of thing, for a couple hundred metres to get in and have a look around. So. Uh, you know, judging on the back of that, I'm sure they're going to put a heap of effort into uh, next year's event and, you know, potentially double it, I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so that was that. What else have we been up to? Uh, we filmed, you might have seen in socials, we filmed heavy sounder content uh, for our mm-hmm. release of the Sounder Series course. Now, I don't know if I've actually mentioned that in this podcast, but we have announced it on socials. I don't think I have. So. For everyone no. listening, we spent majority of last year, uh, a fair chunk of a part of last year through the middle of the year, yep. putting together the Sounder Series course. It's been out for some time, but we haven't announced it. Um, and we just finished off some extra content that goes with it. It is not yet available. It will be available in the coming days. So today, uh, this podcast has gone up. I don't even know when it's gone up. But stay tuned on socials because within days, it will be up and you will be able to see it on our website or I highly recommend jumping on our homepage of our website, clicking join the free email list. All you have to do is put in your name and email and you'll get an update plus our special launch offer going straight to our email list. So if you're not on our email list, jump on that, especially if you want to learn how to use your sounders, but you also want to save on that course. It's a full-fledged start-to-finish course. You actually save a stack of money because the launch offer is going to our email list. So check that out. It was a good couple of days, eh? Hey? We, we got some good content. I'm excited for people, honestly. I'm excited for people to see it. Um, it's amazing, huge. It's and a- it's something that I'm right into me sounding. I really enjoy being able to run my electronics to the best of their capability and, you know, to then be able to put that together um, to show and help other people. I'm pumped for some feedback, actually, just to see what people think and, you know, 
just yeah, I just think there's so many wasted thousands of dollars on boats out there that are going to be um, yeah so much better off once they know what they're doing with them. So well, tell us a story really from came. old mate that you that you talked to at the show. You were telling yeah, me this really, after because I didn't know that it actually happened. But we did have the course available at the show, and it's pretty much ready to go. I've just got to pretty much so yeah. i'll send an email in the next coming day so if you listen to this podcast it will literally be out within the next two days so make sure you grab uh that email link yeah. otherwise you'll miss that but yeah tell us about um, yeah, yeah. old mate that you talked to about it yeah so um had a fella come up to the store there at the expo and you know started off just talking a little bit about the um about the membership and things like that and uh, we had some cards up on the wall and, you know, you sort of, oh, you know, you do stuff with sounders and things like that. And I said, oh, you know, we've we've actually put together this sounder series and, you know, just started talking about that. And then he started talking about his situation, which was, you know, he's an older sort of fella um, who's just bought himself a kayak and a new sounder. Um, so he spent a couple of grand on a sounder and has just been struggling to, um, you know, put the pieces together to, you know, basically use it properly. He's getting some okay pitches but really wanted to um, improve. So I just started to roll through. I actually pulled up my phone and showed him some screenshots from the series and from some other stuff that I'd captured. And his eyes just lit up. Just He was so surprised at the quality of the images that we'd been able to capture. And I just explained to him that the, the ability to do that comes just as much from... You know, of course, you've got to know all your settings and things like that. But being able to understand what each setting actually does and how to actually change it on the fly is massively important. And he said to me, that's what he was sort of struggling with: being able to actually change things as he goes and be able to get those really good pitches. And he, I mean, he was blown away and yeah, jumped on it straight away. And well, you know, he, he we had a look and said, you know. He's, he's jumped on board with that package and that to me, I, I get sort of almost goosebumpy to think, you know, this guy's now going to be soaking in all that information, taking that out there and, and catching fish off the back of it, which is, that's huge. I mean, that's, yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, you said he was yeah. just like, you can't believe you guys have made something like this. And Yeah, he's, yeah. And you talked to him about the investment of, yeah. you got so this the- $2,000 sound you don't even know how to use. Yeah, yep. So he's invested, yeah, two grand, and you know, it, it could sit on his kayak for however long and never actually get the full use out of it, just because he doesn't know how to. So, uh, yeah, he was he, he was blown away because we went you know, jumped on the computer, went radio. This is module one setting up. He goes, look, I've already got it set up and all that things like that. I said, radio down into the next module. And it's just step by step by step. And he goes, you guys have covered every one of those subjects. I said, everyone on that list has been extensively done. Like it's done properly. It's all there. Just And it's, you know, it's there to keep. So you, you, you know, per- purchase that package and, and away you go. It's yours. So. And the other thing. Yeah, he was he was pretty excited actually. Yeah. And you were rolling through because there's the first part setting it up and then we roll into your basic settings yeah. for any brand and then into yeah. reading your sounder as its as its own and then break it up into sonar down scan side scan so he could literally jump to wherever he wanted to jump to and whatever he wanted to learn like you said he's already mounted yeah. it don't need that bit but it's there um, yeah exactly yeah so that will be out 
incoming days. We've put a massive amount of effort into that. Uh, Some really cool special stuff in that and we have a very special offer as well for our email list but that will only go out once which will go out sometime in the next couple of weeks or probably in the next week so make sure you jump on that email list uh, to check that out. Yeah, Um, Especially if you just want to learn how to use your sounder. If you already know how to use your sounder then it's not for you but we get so many questions of people asking how do we tell golden perch from carp? How do we we read side scan? How do we tell distance? How How do we read the sounder when we're sitting still and fishing? all answered yeah. there um it's pretty yeah. cool what yeah what do you use in what situation you know what's what's the difference between down scan and and sonar like why do i need to run split screens and you know all those sort of things what what use is having a chart why do we need to put waypoints on a chart you know that's yeah it, it's all in there and it's all very easily to consume and i would probably say that even somebody who has been running like good sounders for you know, quite a bit of time. I think there's going to be um, a lot of guys there that will will also get uh, a lot out of that Santa series as well. Just they'd be surprised at you know just those little five percent things that you can do to to tweak them and, and actually get the most out of them. So I think it's yeah, there's probably something there for everyone. Awesome. Yeah. So that that is that. And then we also caught a couple of good fish while we were filming that stuff a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. Um, yep. which was a very handy bonus. You guys might have seen them on socials. We got a couple of really nice fish out of the big lakes. A lot of the rivers are fishing really good. In terms of what's happening in the membership, uh, stacks of reports coming in from many of the rivers on some really good fishing around. Some places are hit and miss, which is obviously the point of the reports. And the point of this chat, mate, other than the expo on that, is talking about what we've done this summer with our drifts and fishing rivers which the questions have been flying in from so many people about our little rubber boat setup um it's been a good summer hey oh yeah really good really surprising too because i mean it wasn't that long ago we talked about not getting onto the rivers until um you know 2024 (laughs) april 2024 sort of thing because it was just like you know you couldn't comprehend the volume of water that was laying all over the land and the flood level of rivers that you know, there's no way they're going to recover to a, f- a fishable height um, this year. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, the river's just dropped. Right, let's go. We're out there, and yeah. So it's been it's been exceptional because it's um, probably been a little bit surprising. So uh, and just good set. Like the fishing's just so good in those rivers that haven't been affected by that. Um, you know, black waters and things like that. Any rivers that have just had a good flood, a good flush through. They have been fishing really well. As soon as that water drops, it's it's on their line up to, to chew. Well, it got flushed. It's been flushed three like constantly for three yeah. years, and then the very end was like the massive flood that it kind of built. We had yeah. like mini f- high flows and like well, mini floods. Um, yeah. Some spots got a reasonable flood, and then it all just everywhere. Victoria, New South, the whole lot just went. You right, cop this in November, yeah, and it literally yeah. stopped and. A lot of the, it took a while, it took a month for some of the rivers to sort of slowly clear up and then mm-hmm. some of the irrigation rivers, for some reason, they shut the gates for a couple of weeks, which is what we jumped on the back of, um, yeah. which is still, they're not ideal at the minute and they won't be for some time, but a lot of the your non-irrigation systems that just flow out of the hills are all pretty good at the minute. Now we're into sort of a normal summer with normal rainfall 
you get in the summer storms with some really intense pockets, but because we're not getting 60 mil there, 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 and there, we're only getting 60 mil there, and like a KOA is one mil, the whole catchment doesn't just, it it can handle that, no worries. It's not like it's a massive flood coming through. And yeah, so it's funny because I started the membership, social fishing's been around for a long time, if you didn't know, and it was just a social media page and a website where we shared content and it evolved into launching the membership platform, which a lot of people know it as today, which we're coming up to three years now. That would have been 2020, the start of 2020, COVID and the start yeah. of the rain. Yeah. 2019 was 2018, 19 or 17, 18. I think it was 18, 19 was when we were hearing all the stories of drought. Um yeah. When Menindee Lakes emptied and farmers hadn't had rain, and it wasn't—I was saying it's the worst drought in history, but it wasn't a long drought. It was just an intense two-year drought. It was just proper dry, yeah. Yes, and the fishing actually yeah. got quite tough for a period there. But prior yeah. prior to that, it was really really good. And I used to fish out of these inflatable boats. I've done it yeah. for a long time, and because it's been three years and it's been sitting in my shed, all of a sudden it's popped up. So many people who now follow us are like, what are you fishing on? And I was really surprised. Yeah. I was like, I've fished on this for years, but you, I, yeah. you know, new people follow you, new people come along and here's yeah. these really cool rubber boats that we fish from. Um, yeah. Tell us your first thoughts. Um, did I ever tell you about them before? It sort of rolled into me going, let's go for a session on one. Oh, yes, we went down. Yes, we did a small, tiny little water trip East two Easters ago, didn't we? That was actually your first experience on it. Yes. Yes, we call that carp on a spinnerbait. Yes. Session and two yellows. So that was your first experience. Do, do you feel like that was your first yeah. experience or the one we did? Just I just want you to run through your first thoughts of the setup and what you thought about it. And I know obviously this year's been we've been in them a fair bit. Um, yeah. But well, I don't know if you can remember back to that other session. No. Well. The- the, the first session, um, it, I guess I had never fished um, off an inflatable and I'd only ever done a couple of sessions in a rough old tinny on the river and, you know, some of those tinnies are that ridiculously unstable. The first thing you notice about the inflatable setups is just how stable and how easy they are to fish out of. Um, how safe your gear is, even though it looks like it's just sitting on top of a deck with no sides, it's just going to fall out and it doesn't. It just stays there all day. Um, but I guess that session that we done there, you know, the fishing was pretty tough. We only caught a couple of fish. and It was pretty tough fishing, but it was it was a cracking day. Yeah, it was a good day. And I mean, I guess it was a nice little introduction to that style of fishing. But like I said, there was just so much other stuff going on and... I don't know. I just we we just never got back to it. I guess where this year re- recently it's been like well I guess it must be in the back of my mind because when that river dropped I'm like let's go yeah and then so we've done that trip which is awesome really good fishing the one we just and went on this year down the Bidgee where we got those down the couple down of really Bidgee, nice yeah. yeah 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 so that was your uh, first good native session on it so. Yes. What did you and what did you f- find? Because, or is it more that you'd just really been thrown into just this is rivers and this is one way to fish them? Yeah, so I guess 
that was the first, I don't know, you know what it's like when you do something for the first time, it's like everything's new and, you know, uh, you don't necessarily get a good feel for it straight away where the recent trip was like, yeah, I know what we're doing, I know how we've got to go about setting the boats up and I had a bit more of a understanding of the whole process and so I actually enjoyed the trip a whole lot more because I knew a bit more what I was doing, I knew how the boat was going to respond, you know, all those little bits and pieces that you don't have to think about once you've done things a few times. And so it was just immerse yourself in the river and in the fishing, which is what those inflatables allow you to do. I so I was going to say, yeah. share, yeah, share what, why, why do we do, why would you prefer that over the other options out there? Because that's what the people, that's what so many people have been asking me of late. Yeah. That looks awesome, like great idea, yeah. but yeah. why? Well, if there's a few aspects. I mean, accessibility is a, a big one. Like you can literally pump the thing up on the side of the river. As long as you've got some sort of access to the river, you don't have to have a boat ramp. So that opens up, you know, a, a different dimension there. But I think for me, the biggest thing is just the the immersive sort of feeling about standing a foot and a half off the water surface and fishing you're just a part of the river. You've got no gunnels, you've got nothing beside you, you're dead set just standing like you're hovering above the water and fishing away. It's just cool. a completely different feel. It really is, yeah. And it's not... Yeah. Um, like you could achieve a similar process with a tinny but it's it's just so cool to fish on because you literally face one way and the other way and you can't... Even in your peripherals, you can barely see the boat. Like you can, yep. you know, in the tinny, you got like two steps, you yep. know, the other side of the boat to cast. It's a really hard thing to explain, but it's like an, a really cool adventure. I, I just... Yeah, it is. That's that whole standing on the water part of it, like the whole no gunnel standing on a floating plank. That yep. is just a good feeling in its own, but you've also got the stability of the boats, the fact they can float yep. through no water. They're kind of like an equivalent to... They're equivalent to a kayak, but they're also equivalent to a small tinny. But like you said, a small tinny, you need a boat ramp. Um, yeah. And they're noisy and not as stable to a point. You can you can get them fairly stable. They're more robust, but I just the, the ability to pack the inflatables up into nothing and yeah. the storage, like your gear is underneath, yeah. like full underneath decks. It's not like a hatch or a, just a they spot. Look- to look at them at first, they look so much smaller than a tinny, but they're actually not. They're actually, because they've been set out so well, like the way you've built the decks for them as well, everything's got a little bit of a slot to sit in. Yeah. So you can actually pack a fair bit of gear in there and not have to ever deal with any of that gear all day because everything's below the deck that you're actually standing on. Yes. So it's so much cleaner. Like even tinnies with a deck in them, like they just it just doesn't seem to work quite as well and and I mean as soon as you put a deck in some of those small tinnies it is like sketchy as because you're standing too far above them sort of thing rather than in them a little bit Yeah. and these things have got no issues whatsoever with stability like you jump on and off logs onto the decks and it's just it's easy like it's just what you do there's no brace yourself or hold on or anything like that I mean you know, every now and then there might be a bit of a quick turn or something that comes along, but as far as the actual boat itself, they're, they're super stable. It's pretty cool. I actually talked about them at the expo and even had one of the 
people running it from VFA come up and go, that inflatable boat thing, that is cool. And it's just yeah. cool to get that reaction because I actually yeah. wrote an article about it that went in freshwater fishing when I was a kid. This was when I was really into it. And this is some of you listening, if you've followed me since I was young, you might have seen that we fished out of these boats so many times um, and they've evolved over time now. I don't want to get into the backstory of them because I actually might do an episode with Mr. Chris Cottrell on the inflatable boat journey and how they started and stories from back in the day and how it all evolved. Um, I've talked about it a few times, but I might do that because we're actually going to talk about... Yeah. Yeah. I'd be pretty keen to hear the story actually. It's Yeah. It's it's, it's a fair story to it. So, we will do another one on the whole inflatable boat, whereas we just want to talk about drifting out of them this year and and mainly the Mm. ovens river adventure that we went on not that long ago but if you are looking at it at getting one and what to do or you've sent us a question saying how do they set up just what we're going to be doing is putting together a few videos on the setup the entire walkthrough of how they're all set up and then another one of building a deck so actually how we build the deck um how we cut the timber, how it all goes together, how we screw it and glue it and carpet it and the lot. Because um, yeah. I'm actually rebuilding uh, one of my front decks because we kind of netted a lot of fish this summer, <laughs> dropped them on the deck and bowed the timber just from yeah. catching so many fish. Because um, yeah. the, the timber is not, not proper structural timber because there's a point where you get too heavy um, yeah. and they're already f- pretty heavy. Um, yeah. Yes, there's probably an option where you could make them out of some really high-strength plastic um and they get you know they get machine made which would be pretty cool but for the quick simple yeah. build or just a plank of timbers sort of the win yeah that's right i mean yeah because you have to be they have to be carryable because you put them in spots where you can't take tinnies because of you know low water or you know branches or rocks or whatever it might be or weirs in the case of the ovens where you've actually got to unpack your entire boat and carry it around a concrete weir yeah that's not ideal though i wouldn't recommend it no but it is doable yes and, yeah it's not and, the end of the line if you go and put 20 mil marine ply in those decks that's going to be a whole you know that's a bigger job all over again so I mean, yeah it's, yeah it's a little bit of, little bit of a compromise between the two and when you got to pick them up and move them, um, you soon realise that weight is a thing, especially when I yeah. fill them with lures and food and camera gear. But mm-hmm. that's another story. Um, yeah. So what we're going to talk about is this trip that came up on the ovens and the setup we had for the ovens, which is something I've never done before. I will reference one session we did on the Bidgee, and I'm going to say it was cod opening 2018, and I went with Adam and Talus. Mitchy and myself in two inflatables and we went in the afternoon before we kind of already ate dinner and everything so we didn't have a heap of stuff but we wanted to float luckily it was like a 27 degree day and quite a mild like the most perfect overnight temps you could deal with and we really weren't prepared or thought about it very well (laughs) but luckily there were no mozzies for cot opening which is weird Um, it was part of that drought period and we grabbed, I grabbed like one of those roll-up mattress things, which is like 10 centimeters thick from in the house, which is way too thick, put it in a garbage bag and strapped it to the front like a like a bull bar um, <laughs> and the plastic bags were just to keep the water off it. Mitchie did something similar. We had sleeping bags and dry bags, but Talos slept on the grass. I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but Talos slept yeah. on the dirt, literally <laughs> on the grass. It had like a little slope to it and I think he laid yeah, on a, a jumper. Girl. 
Oh, he's funny. Um, Adam had a hammock and said it was the best sleep ever. And Mitch and I actually put something in between the two decks to prop it up a bit, but pretty much just laid on the two decks. So yeah, most right. most of your torso was on one deck, and then the space was where your legs were, and your feet were on the other side on those mattresses. Yeah, nice. We yeah. did. We were soaked when we woke up from the dew. But anyway, yeah. I knew that that wasn't the way to do it. So mm. we talked. Uh, I think it came from a Q&A last year where um, I was on with Matt and Jake and Alex put the challenge yep. to us to... It was a challenge, but we didn't end up doing that. But that's where the trip come apart or come from for, for, for fishing on the ovens. And when yep. I thought we'd do it, we thought, well, why don't we try and camp out of them? It'd be a great adventure. And in the end, I think we were actually going to do three separate days and we weren't going to camp out of them. But I was like, oh, let's do it because it'll be a good adventure and we'll film it and mm. create a heap of content, which has um, been dripping out in the membership. And the film yep. from the trip will be out in the membership very soon. Uh, amazing adventure. But yep. we had to tweak our setup a little bit, didn't we? So what did we end up doing with our camping situation, which ended up working really well? Yeah, look, I think it did, uh, especially for the amount of times we've done it. So we had uh, just a little three-man tent that the two of us used, uh, inflatable um, air mattresses, yep. um, which was my job to pump up each night. So I got a little bit dizzy out of that each night, which is a bit of a kick. We uh, may uh, touch on what lessons we learnt after this yeah. list as well, because I think a 12-volt air pump may come into the list. For a couple of reasons, yes. Um, what else do we do? Just yeah, just a basic gas cooker uh, to cook up a bit of a feed, and that's really important too. And I think that's something that I can be a little bit laxy on is actually eating properly when you're out there doing these sort of things. Really? Um, yeah, I can be a little bit sort of cruisy and. Uh, really, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. I tend to be quite basic um, with with eating. I try to eat okay, but um, I don't necessarily, you know, do a lot of cooking when I'm doing that sort of a thing. So I'll often just have wraps and stuff out there and have them for for lunch and, and dinner sort of thing. So, um, but no, it was it was kind of good to to sit down and, and cook up, you know, a bit of a feed and um, so just a little basic gas cooker, a few utensils, um, a stack of camera gear. Um, I don't think there was anything else that we had that was particularly unique to... Um... Nah, Matt had a hammock. Oh, yeah, Matt had a hammock. That and... was cool until the storm came through and he ended up <laughs> at the bottom of the tent with us, which was really quite awkward. So we had... And he's not a small fella. He's, Neither are you. I think Matt's actually a little bit taller than me, so you've got two blokes that are, I think, just under and just over six foot four and... Reese tucked away in the corner somewhere and it was pouring with rain and yeah, anyway, we got through it. And Jake Matt didn't slept even have a mattress, did he? No, no, no. He slept on no. my sleeping bag because I was that's like, true. oh, mate, that's going to be rough because we're on like a little pebbly beach with like rocks, yeah. like round, round yeah. pebbles. We're not on the grass <laughs> and we, our air mattresses take that yeah. out. But um, yeah. I think I laid, he laid his sleeping bag down and then I laid mine on top. So he, yeah, and he a was- A little in, bit of padding. He was in a puddle of water to start with, so we quickly solved that problem. Um, yeah. I had water coming in mine. Oh, because we set it up and it was hot 
and normally you'd yeah. open up the mess, like open up the things. But I'm like, nah, this storm is going to hit us. Like it is going to pummel us. If you guys watch the stories on Instagram, it was a wild storm coming and it yeah. did hit and yeah. we had to have the flyover and it was like hot, wasn't it? That's yeah. right. It was... Feels. Um, But Jake had a little tent with a little mattress as well which worked well and then Jake left on one night and Karen joined us and she had a little like a little I think it's a two-man tent but it's pretty much like one of those swags like a long swag sort of shape yeah Uh, Yeah. you'd only sleep one in it but it was like perfect you could fit all your bags and clothes in it and it rolled up really small with just a little mattress Um, yeah and it was funny because our tent was like a family tent and we learned that probably it was a bit overkill for the yep. trip and Karen bought yep. hers real cheap online and I literally was sitting there at 10.30 that night. Karen goes, yeah. oh, that sale ends tonight and I bought two yep. that yep. night and we've got them in the yep. shed ready for next time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that, um, yeah, that'll be a, a bonus next time, just easier to pack and small, uh, easier to, to put up um, and, and pull back down again first thing in the morning because you want to get out and get on the water casting straight away. Um, I think, yeah, 12 volt pump is another one that we'll definitely have to take for bedding and for potential boat valve leaking problems. So, because the pump we pump the boat up with is like a pretty big double action like pump that you pump up paddle boards and all sorts of things, but it's just a bit, a bit bulky and awkward to fit in under the deck. Like everything else sort of has a slot. So, I've never bought brought them because we've both got electric motors and batteries what we're just going to do yep. is clip on a just another socket um and have a 12 or, or, or a battery operator one of me and better but mm-hmm. even if we can plug that in and have an adapter yep. for the side of the boat if any issues ever yep. happen with the boat we would patch the boat and blow it up and if we lose air over a couple of hours you blow it back up again i've never yep. had an issue with the boat popping or leaking ever before on any trip and i've been fishing out of them for years this issue on this trip wasn't a popping issue. It was the fact the deck rubbed against the valve clip and yes. undone it. And then when yep, we put it back it. on, the cord was caught underneath. So, it was like a very slow yes. leak, um, yep. which we didn't want to touch. But I didn't realize that's what it was because Karen and Matt were in the boat and it's their first experience with the boat. Um, and afterwards, when we pulled up, I worked out that, yeah, the, the, just the, the deck had rubbed against the, the latch yeah, yeah. and pulled it open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we could easily just blow it back up there and you could blow up your air mattresses super quick. Yeah, exactly. And I was actually talking to um, my mate Pete who's staying with me at the minute and he was saying that he had an issue with his boat cover and he got Gorilla Tape to repair it and he said it is amazing stuff. So keep that in mind, mate. I've just remembered that as we're speaking about it now. Gorilla Tape. Um, gorilla Tape, he reckons it is Fantastic, because you know that canvasy stuff can be a little bit hard to actually stick stuff to. Yeah, um, what those boat covers are made of. But he said it sticks bang on. He reckons it'll stick on those inflatables, no worries. So yeah, cool. Yeah, um, put that on the list. Because the other option is we get repair kits, and Jimmy also told me you could get a UV glue that they use for their trout rafts, which yeah, will fit cool. fish, which will which will hold a small yeah. puncture for temporarily. Um, yeah. 
and you can instant set it. So you can instant set yeah, yeah, it nice. and then blow the boat back up and it'll get you through. So for everyone yeah. who is worried out there about popping a boat and, you know, ruining a trip and sinking everything, I think you'd be very, very, very unlucky for that to happen unless you aren't oh. respectful of the river. You know what I mean? If you do something stupid um, yeah. and tear it, that's the only way you'll be in trouble. Yes, it could happen and that would be a day oh, that I it think... would suck. But Yeah, yeah. I think the... The biggest fear on the river is probably more likely to be like a barbed wire fence or a steel post or something like that rather yep. than being a rock or a tree or anything like that. They don't do damage. Other, we saw that other boat get punished, something terrible. Like that was the best field test for these boats you could ever imagine, I reckon. Who drove like, the boat, by the way, while you're going? Um, <laughs> Matt, love your work, Matt, and Jake. Um, he's done really well. You just didn't actually pop the boat. Even though uh, they tried pretty hard. Even though it t- sometimes there was yeah, a couple of little whoopsies that looked like... Uh, I can still vividly remember that branch snapping when they when Matt Karen, and Karen and hit it. Matt. Oh, man. I can still see that as that boat swung around full pelt and the indent of the branch put in the side of the boat. I'm like, there's no way that's not popping a seam. And it was absolutely fine. It just cracked and the echo down yeah. the river because we were about, what, 30 <laughs> metres downstream and yeah. got through because it was quick. It was a pretty dangerous yeah, spot yeah. and I yeah. missed it and I turned around Matt, I was just tell it, grabbed him and put him on like, uh-oh, and yeah. side on, just crunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they managed to stay in the boat. All the gear managed to stay in the boat. Like, can you imagine putting a kayak side onto that? Oh, like she'd that. be gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even All a tinny. Over, so. You'd be in trouble in a tinny. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. like they flip, yeah. will flip quite easily. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but anyway, they've been extensively tested. I uh, would say the word is. Yeah. The only other issue is probably a treble hook uh, or a yellow belly. We have put a hole in the floor. So, for those who don't know, it's a tacky cat sport that we're fishing from so attack account inflatable and they actually have different chambers and that's why we weren't worried about karen's matt's boat because it's only one of the chambers that had an issue Mm. um yeah and the the bottom chamber is actually a removable floor and i did once drop a yellow belly onto the floor and its back spike went straight through the floor and we had no floor inflation for that trip so yes it will put a hole like fish will put a hole in the boat. So you just got to be careful about that too. But really, if you're in a tinny and fish, if every fish you catch, you just let flip around in the boat, you're really not looking after the fish to start with. So, no, that's right. Yeah. You know, if you look after a fish the way a fish is meant to be looked after, you shouldn't really have them touching the boat to begin with. Obviously, accidents do happen no. from time to time, but we've caught hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cod and yellows with trebles in those inflatables. Yeah. I was pretty nervous on that. Um, on that bingy drift that we done, I was pretty nervous because we were fishing hard bodies and, um, yeah, there was a couple, especially those bigger fish when they sort of lunge to get under the boat. It's like scrambling to, you know, make sure they actually clear the boat because if they were to roll their head or something, there's potential that they could, um, yeah, jag it, travel into it. And I imagine that might be a bit of a disaster. But like you say, if you, you know, if you have your little repair kit and things like that and take the care, um, the chances are it's if you do do it it's not going to be that bad but the chance of actually doing it, it's not that high it's not what it seems like it's not like a you know it's not a flimsy little blow up uh, $20 explorer from Kmart that you take down <laughs> a river um, it's what? a completely different creature 
Why? So. Why bring that up? <laughs> well, that one didn't even get popped on that trip. So um, why bring that up? I don't know because it was. We yeah, did that. That, was... that what Dan just mentioned. We actually did. We took a pool boat down a yeah. skinny section of river, and I actually do recommend it. Literally, take all the gear you would take for bank walking session. Don't pack yeah. a spare rod for trout. No even no, though there's no trout that. in that river. So, we literally had to yep. try and keep a seven-foot rod safe all day, but take a backpack and a rod. We had a case in that with food, which was kind of handy because we had a heap of food and water in it. But we literally yep. just used it because the, the creek was overgrown. So, it, had, it was actually a great adventure, awesome day. Oh, we caught no awesome. fish. Yep. We caught one cod for a whole day, but it was the best yep. fun. And yep. you got overgrown trees everywhere you can't bank walk it and, and I knew that. I said to Dan, yeah. I want to give this a crack and there's so many rivers yeah. out there which are the same but it yeah. wasn't all that deep. I was like, why don't we just take this boat, literally mm-hmm. use it to float from spot to spot and get out on the bank when we can or get out on logs and just jump back in it. It's yeah. like rated at 60 kilo max and we had yeah. 160 yeah. kilos of us sitting here. <laughs> yeah. I remember the look old mate gave us when we pushed off. <laughs> He's like, are you serious? Because I was sitting yeah. Hanging my feet out the back, and you were sitting hanging your feet out the front. Jeez, it was funny. Yeah, and you can hear the roar of the rapids just below where we put in as well. So I'm sure this bloke's looking and going, These guys are insane. There's no way they're going to survive that because those first set of rapids were pretty wild. Yeah, they were wild. I was a bit scared, to be honest. Um, but we didn't actually ride the thing down. We just sort of bounced and walked and, yeah. you know, te- tethered the boat down and. It was really just something to hang off in the deep spots and then when it was shallow, you'd more or less just walk along with it. And yeah. Surprisingly, I mean, that's all you had, so you made it work, but it actually worked reasonably well. So, But that is... A it was summer. creature. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And we literally spent the day fishing in the river, but you just lay on the side yeah. of the boat and paddle or kick yeah. to the next pool yeah. where you could touch the bottom again. And yeah. it was tiny, like you would never get one of these proper boats through. Um, no. And you didn't even want to be in a boat to cast. The pools were that small. So, yeah, that was, yeah. That was cool. Um, yeah. There's another idea. If you're ever looking to try and fish a small creek where you've got to put in and put yeah. out spot that's overgrown, summer yeah. might be a good option. Um, so, anyway, let's right, run fine. through. We went Ovens River. This just come about a pretty special little waterway. Uh, we wrote a trip report from the session. So, if you're interested in knowing where we went, the fine details of what we did, everything, it's all inside the membership. But yeah. the adventure, mate, that just run us through step by step. We shot down. Uh, we left a little, little bit late, which is yes, if normal. Dan will ever, yep, if Dan will ever say, is very normal when fishing with <laughs> Reese. Not because he's unorganized, just because I think I'm overorganized, which then means uh, I check well, things too many times. You stop at the bottom of your road every single trip. Like every time, is that pink bag in there or have you seen that? And you still, what did you forget? I didn't forget anything on that trip. I forgot something on the ex, the trip to the expo this weekend. I forgot the posters. No, and you forgot your bag of clothes for the ovens trip. Oh, I did too. I forgot my entire bag of clothes. No, 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 I didn't. No, I forgot my bag of clothes for Byron Jack the other day. Oh, that's right. It was yeah. too. Yeah, Luckily, yeah. it was cold in the morning because you had a jumper on. Otherwise, you would have had no jumper. Yeah, I had one yeah. jumper that morning yeah. and I walked out with That's him right. that summer. Otherwise, I would have had no yeah. jumper for a, a night. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it's not exactly like I was, you know, 
kicking around doing nothing either on that day that we went down to the ovens because there's just non-stop. Life doesn't stop. It's just go, go, go. So anyway, we eventually got away. We eventually got down there a little bit later than expected, but we were on the river before it was dark. Like, Do you have a recommendation for somewhere to stop if anyone's traveling from New South Wales to Victoria? Oh, I've got a recommendation of where to put your foot down and keep going past. Oh, um, can you please share that story? I'm sorry to the Logic Centre on the Hume Highway, but honestly, I'd, you'd be better off scraping a bit of roadkill off the side of the road. It was absolutely shocking. We had chicken schnitzel burger, and it was like chicken jerky, I described it. And, and Dan was a crook. Yeah, not good. Not good at all. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll not be. I'll go hungry. I'll go hungry before I stop in that place again. I'm sorry, but... Don't do it to yourself. Oh, Go funny. somewhere different because that is not, not worth it. No. You got there no. and then I remember getting there because our plan was to stay at Jake's the night because Jake lives down yep. there. Um, stay with Jake and then we're going to head out in the morning and when we got there, we're like, why don't we just go out now? And Matt's like, well, I thought that. And Dan's like, well, I thought that a couple of days ago. I'm like, well, yeah. I, I didn't, but let's just go out now and set the boats up. Um mm. So we half set him up while Dan really didn't respond because he was crook. <laughs> I was so bad. I was like, aren't you excited, mate? We're going fishing for three days in a fatal boat camp and we're about to head out. I'm like, do you want to go now or that? Oh, whatever. Yeah, what? I was so keen to, like, leading up to it, it's like, oh, it's happening. We're getting disorganized. We were talking on the phone all the time. It's like, you know, you're going through, I, I really don't know what to expect and what am I packing and what gear, what's the river look like? And I got down there and we're at Jake's. I was just like... I, I actually don't care. I really just want to lay down. <laughs> Which can you didn't we just get deal- to do. No, can we just deal with this whole situation tomorrow? I was still keen to get on the water because I thought that really makes more sense than stopping at Jake's and then getting up earlier in the morning and then, you know. Driving and, yeah, setting up. Doing the whole show sort of thing. So I think that worked out quite well. Um, and then we slept next to the loudest bloody pump in all of Victoria <laughs> which oh. ran all the way till five o'clock in the morning and all ev- four all of us were still all awake. Four of us was were awake when that pump stopped bloody going. Never said a word until we got out at twenty past five, I think it was, we actually got up and just went, Did you guys hear that pump just stop? It's like, yep. <laughs> I don't know how much sleep we got, but Jake's place would have been much better sleep. Uh, Uh, Yes. But we had the boats half set up, so half pumped up. You would have seen us pump up in the dark in that story. The video for this trip will be out very soon. It includes that whole process, um, getting there, setting up, getting on the water. But what was your expectations of this river system versus what you saw at the push-out spot looking at it? Um. I'd watched, um, you know, some clips of the ovens um, that other guys had done and I I don't know. I mean, looking at it now, I guess once we got into the flow of the river, it seemed similar. But when we first got going in the morning and the sun started to get up and you could see so far in, it was like a trout stream and you're catching cod. And that blew me away. I was really, really surprised at the clarity of the water. I guess I expected it to be, I don't 
don't know. I think the first sort of bit seemed a little bit more open than what I was expecting, maybe. Yeah. Um, that first straight, so, though, like the very that, first that, bit. That's right, yeah. Once you sort of got into it a bit further, there wasn't a lot of big timber. Um, but, yeah, once you sort of started to get down a bit and then the sun was sort of up and you got all those shadowy pockets along the banks, it was just like, oh, let magic. me out it sort of thing. It's magic. Yeah, it's, yeah. For, for those who... Uh, do a bit of river fishing. There's there's a variety in rivers. You've got your standard sort of low-lying area, river, dirtier water, picks up more sediment yeah. from the clay and the dirt and the topsoil and they sort of just snake their way through and then you've got this this kind of upper land, um, not gorge country, like a gorgy, rocky country. It's the similar yeah. altitude to those places but it depends on the landscape and there's a lot in sort of the upper Murray region uh, on the border of New South and Vic and... Um, and all through Victorian high country where it runs out before it gets low-lying, you've got this kind of willow country with scattered bits of timber, mainly pebbly. It's pretty much like a trout Yeah, you said it. It's a trout yeah. stream, but it's yeah. low enough down that it's hot enough for cod. Um, yeah. Special, special country. Heaps of little oh, yeah. fish. Don't go there to yeah. catch your PB. Um, yeah. Go there just for a bit of fun. But it, it's popular. We had six or seven kayakers push off at the same spot we pushed off that morning? Yep, yep. Made Jake a bit nervous that there were so many kayaks that went down the river in front of us, but um, he was pretty keen to get out there and get amongst it because, I mean, obviously that early morning bite was slipping away as well, but, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we covered it um, properly as far as the filming side of things goes for um, the film and and the content side of things. So we sort of did take a little bit more time in the morning, but... um, we soon worked out how much that really didn't affect the style of fishing that you can do out of these inflatable boats when you compare it to a kayak that has very little control in the speed that they move down the river where the inflatables, you're in control. You can, I mean, if you can drive the boat properly, which I can't, and I'll admit that straight off the bat, Reese is an absolute gun um, at controlling these inflatable boats. And so, it's the only compliment what, you'll ever hear. Dan, give me, and that was recorded. How insanely <laughs> awesome that was, mate! I don't think you give me a compliment about anything ever, ever before, but I think that's such a lie. That's, <laughs> not, not that well. Rubbish. Not to say that you suck and I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm terrible. I'm, I've just never done it. So obviously, I don't even have a foot pedal on my big boat. Um, yeah, because ever since I put that on there, I haven't been able to get one. So. Um, but that, I mean, that boat control thing is huge and I felt actually quite privileged to be standing at the front of the boat and just being able to fish things so well and just watching how quickly the kayak is just like, they were on the top side of us upstream next to us and the next thing they're gone and you don't see them guys again. Yeah. And there was two other guys that come past and they're just like racing past and it's just like, wow, like they've missed so much of that water that we've been you know, that we didn't fish directly behind them and just pulled out fish after fish. Yeah. It's a completely different game. Um, and, I mean, obviously it's still fun and still can catch fish out of a kayak, but you, to be able to have that control over the speed that you're moving down and, uh, you know, move, you know, a little bit over to your left or right into a shady pocket so you can, you know, skip a lure in underneath or something uh, that just completely changes the game and we geez we caught some fish and the visual being able to look down yeah, situation it, like being able to look exactly. into the water 
Yes, yep, definitely worth a mention because especially when you're up in that clear water like that, it's amazing to watch a fish roll out on your lure or, you know, be able to see the structure in the water or where, that's, where it drops off into a deeper pocket. It's like, I know there's a fish that's going to sit there because I can see it drop over the rocky edge close to the bank, a little bit of shade, and you'd get drilled nine times out of ten in that place if you pick the pockets. You could almost, you know, you could almost say, yeah, there's a fish there for sure, and someone would get a hit or a fish or two fish out of it. Yeah, massive, massive. Are you keen to see the advantage. film? Oh, mate, like, yeah, I'm not one to nag, so I just sit on the sidelines patiently waiting. But, uh, I think yeah, it's going to be something else. Yeah, and then uh, I th- really showcase the river. I think really showcase the river and the fishing and the inflatable thing as well. I mean, yeah, it's going to be massive one other thing too you know how we talk about uh our contradicting styles of enjoyment on the water where yours is you enjoy solo fishing versus me the complete opposite what was your opinion and and thoughts to people listening on doing an adventure with two boats because i've done it time and time and time again and i absolutely love it what was your whole experience of the vibe from our ovens trip compared to our Bidji trip and was that one of the big reasons why it was such an epic adventure? Um, Definitely to the last question and I, yeah, people may know, may have seen some of the stuff that I do. I fish on my own an awful lot. I I would go to the the extreme of saying that I actually need my time alone on the water. Really enjoy my own company and not having anyone else to worry about. Obviously, I love fishing with my kids and mates and whatever else, but um, do love fishing solo just as much, if not more, sometimes. But in this situation, having the two boats set up together, drifting off, watching, you know, being in close contact as you're working your way down this amazing stretch of water, you know, hearing people getting excited and um, you know, when the surface bite was on, it's like you're hearing the bus from the other boat. And then, you, you know, you get to the evening and you sort of catch up to each other because you know you've got to, you know, you want to be camping together. So, radio, we're not too far off. I think when we get down a bit further, there's going to be a nice inside bend. And, you know, you pull the crafts in together, pull them up, start setting up camp, and you're just chin-wagging about what we caught, what we'd seen, how good was that last surface eat, you know, just the whole vibe, the whole environment was made so much better by having that second boat there because you not only have your experience from the day, but you've got the second boat's experience. And, you know, there's obviously lots of things that you don't see happen. And, you know, just to be able to sit around for a couple of hours and uh, do a bit of a debrief and talk about all the things you've seen and done and caught, and you know, you'd be like, oh, what was that fish? Remember on that log, you know? that fish and these were all screaming or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, this happened or we dropped one or, you know, one fish came up and tried to hit a lure three times or something like that. So that definitely added to the whole trip. It was, yeah, yeah. It's good, I eh? Highly, highly recommend. And also the practical aspect of having the extra set of hands when you do have to overcome obstacles is also yes. a big part of it. Jeez, there's we would have been in trouble. There. Yeah, there's spots there where you actually need four sets of hands to be able to do what we've done. Yeah. Couldn't just be two of you because, you know, it's physically impossible to shift a boat or shift a log or, 
you know, things like that. So, yeah, definitely something that, um, yeah, definitely adds massive. It, it, it doubles the whole trip, basically, by having that second boat there. It really is worthwhile. Uh, and it could go for anywhere. Like, if you've never done it before, yeah. go to a dam. If you could tee yeah. up a trip with four people in two boats, it's just... Yeah. It adds to the enjoyment, and I will say that we became friends at camp because during the day there was a bit of banter and rivalry thrown yeah. from boat to boat, especially yeah. from Jake. I will add towards us, there was definitely yes. a bit of that going on. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, which is all part of the fun and awesome. And I want to say yeah, huge yeah. thanks to Jake too for showing us his water and taking yeah. us down his part of the country, which he obviously writes about every single month in mm. the membership platform. Um, he loves it and enjoys it and I'm sure he'll yeah. thank us for making him believe that there aren't just small fish in nearly every river system around the country. You'll yeah. always find a big fish somewhere here or there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good experience. Uh, we caught stacks of fish. It was awesome to catch up with good people and just that whole... That's why we wanted you to mention that, that it doesn't have to be this style of fishing but just... If you can have a scenario where you've got two boats, it does add to the level of yeah. I don't know. It's the whole the whole trip, the whole adventure just sparks it up another level. Um, and I always try to do them like that if I can. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. So if people are going to fish it, uh, what are we looking at? So it's just for some some actual fishing tip content. Mm-hmm. It's yep. small water, uh, very yep. small water, pretty difficult to bank walk, very popular with kayakers, very popular. Heaps of people fish it, heaps of yep. small fish, lots and lots yep. and lots of small fish. I mean like 20, 30, 40, 45 centimeter fish up to 55. Um, yep. Lots of trout cod, lots of murrays. Yep. You will mm-hmm. catch them on every lure, spinnerbaits and hard bodies. Jake outfished us all on a hard body, followed by Karen outfishing us all on a hard body. Yep. I had some great sessions on the spinnerbaits. We threw weedless plastics. They worked really well. We're going to be creating some content on great fun. fishing weedless plastics. Uh, I yep. actually fished them with Graham over in Canberra. I'm going to shout out to Graham. I have fished them quite a bit on the Bidgee back in 2016, 17, 18 when it was low. And we mm-hmm. caught quite a few fish, but it was interesting to see Graham fish the pro lures when I went to Canberra yes. and the way he fished them over there. Makes total sense. Um, yeah. And that's another drift I did this year, floated some water over at Canberra. Uh, mm. The video for that is up in the membership. It was epic, epic video, epic country. Even Graham, uh, to get him on to this podcast to talk about the inflatable, he'd say the same thing as you. He was just yeah. like, wow, this is so cool to fish from. Yeah, yeah. Weedless plastics uh, and then obviously top water. But one thing we noticed, yeah. because the size of the fish in there was small, tell us the scenario from... Your surface morning, morning one versus morning two, and the session I had on morning one. What was the difference in numbers and lure approach? Yeah, I mean chalk and cheese. So I threw a one fifty mil buff bait, quite a big presence in the water. Um, basically, the thought in my mind was, you know what, if there is going to be a, a big fish here, let's give them a bit a bigger bait option to eat. Basically, just wanting to sort of push the boundaries of the whole river because we'd had an epic session like all day. We caught so many fish. It's like, you know, cool. I'm happy if, you know, we can get on to, um, you know, get on to a bigger fish off the surface. That's going to be awesome because, you know, everyone wants to catch a big fish. Uh, the afternoon, I think it was, that I threw the buff bait again. It wasn't a very 
busy sort of afternoon. Nah, we only got four hits and yeah. I stuck one and you stuck one well, on I, that. So well, there was no... That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that sort of led on. I thought, well, you know what? The little fish are going to eat it as well. You know, if I get a crack from a little fish every now and then, it'll, it'll be fine. I'll be happy. And hopefully it sort of puts me in a good stead for a, a bigger fish. And yeah, I really struggled. I don't even think I caught one. Um, you didn't get a hit fishing. the next morning until you changed. Yeah, well, I was, yeah, well, I was fishing that bigger bait. It just wasn't happening. And there's just cracks on the surface going all around me from our boat and the other boat. I'm just well, going. let's just say me and Matt, we won't add Jake to that list. <laughs> it's like, no, it's okay. We'll just stick with it. It's okay. And then it's like, nah, this is just dumb. It's just way too much fun going on around me. And yeah, downsized to a little tailor-made um, paddler. And yeah, the, the, the results were pretty much instant. And then the next morning it was, it was on. It was really good. Um, I was happy to to get smashed up by you know little fish all morning rather than throwing a uh, a bigger lure for no result pretty much. So it's kind of that system though, like it's it's very heavily that's what I was just small fish. Say. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that kind of waterway uh, where your percentage of bigger fish is much much lower, uh, and I think also you, the clarity um, means they're pretty. Uh, you know, they're pretty spooky, sort of those bigger fish as well. So, that, you know, they're, they're going to be extra hard to catch. But, I mean, we did have a few big fish encounters during that trip. But as far as surface goes, it's just, I don't know, way too much fun to not try and chase that trophy fish when you're getting smashed up by fish on just about every, every decent cast you put in. It's like pretty good chance you're going to have a fish come up and have a look. So... That was, yeah, made for a really fun session as opposed to, okay, I've done my best to try and get a big fish and you know what, at the end of it, I kind of sucked a bit. Yeah, it was your best top water session ever? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, that second morning was amazing and it went right through to, you know, that last big one that came up um, on that log for a look just Mm. before we caught up with the guys with their um, their leaky valve. I mean, like, that was... Yeah, that was a big amount of water that fish pushed when he came up to try and eat that. So yeah, that was um, a good one. Mm, yeah, so that was you know, it was it was a uh, definitely a, a bigger sort of fish who came up to eat the same lure that I'd been throwing and catching. You know, I don't know how many I actually caught that morning off surface, but it was you know ten or so plus maybe ten or fifteen hits that actually didn't connect. So yeah. You know, it's yeah. It's, I think sometimes you've got to adjust a little bit to your to your water that you're fishing, and not necessarily chasing trophies is a good idea in that waterway. I think. And top water worked really well up until the sunlight hit the surface, and then there was a definitive period where it slowed down. We yep. got fish on spinnerbaits, hard bodies. Jake, like I said, caught heaps on hard bodies. The lighter color hard body worked, but was that because that's all we threw? I don't think color mattered too much. The water is fairly clear and you're pretty much fishing anywhere you would cast for a normal fish you're fishing shadows shadows were critical in the high sun and the the bite period didn't really slow down at all like they fed all day as long as you had shadows like you could continually cast all day and catch fish we actually had some of our best bite windows in the middle of the day rather than sort of that mid arvo period um yeah spinnerbaits work great five eight bounce your hard bodies. 60 or so a 70 up to 90 mil that was getting thrown around yep. um 
small lures, heaps of small fish, uh, and mm-hmm. then top water as well. Underneath willows, yep. any timber that you could see, any edges where there's shadows, it's, it's a pretty awesome little fishery. Um, yeah. Great for a kayak, but like I said, we have these inflatable boats and I hands down, hands down designed them because I did not like kayaks personally. Um, I yeah. also like fishing with mates uh, and filming. So I had to come up with a better solution and like I said, designed them quite a while ago and we're still even now redesigning them as we move forward. So mm-hmm. bringing that to the rest of our summer and our inflatable boat drifts, you and I did a session. Um, I did a session with uh, Graham in Canberra then we went on this big ovens river drift, which was amazing. How many fish did we end up with? If you'd like to 91. Share? 91. So it was what? 88 cod and a mix of trout and Murray's. Trout, trout cod and Murray cod. Trout yep. cod and Murray cod. Yep. 50 50 split, maybe? Yeah, pretty rough. Uh, roughly, yeah, pretty close to it, I'd say. A um, couple of yellows and a Macquarie perch. Which was your first fish of the trip? Oh, yeah, um, weird looking critter, wasn't it? Yeah, um, there's a lot in there though. Yeah, we had a lot of them chasing lures out, two or three or four at a time, and come out trying to chase your lure down. Um, so they're pretty, uh, um, you know, they like to have a look at what's going on in the water, sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, there's no way that I would have guessed that amount of fish that was going to be caught if you asked me beforehand. And I remember speaking to the kids one night and it's like, oh, you know, how's a fish and I said, mate, it is unbelievable. You wouldn't believe how many fish we caught. It's like, I don't know, what did you catch, like 30? It's like, no, more. 40. You didn't catch 40. I'm like, mate, we caught 50. That was a like, day... When was that? was that? second... Second night. Second night. I think we had more than 50. Yeah, it was like high 50s, nearly 60. It was nearly 60, yeah. And they're like, yeah, and I they remember listening like, to the conversation. I was like, look at their reaction. Like, he'd listen to yeah. the boys. Like, You're kidding. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah, unbelievable. And Henry's like, oh, yellows. I'm like, no, mate, cod. He goes, you caught over 50 cod. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, mate. He goes, where are you? What, what, what how? Like, what's. <laughs> What what is that? Like, I just could not comprehend it. Well, um, it's hard to it's, it, even for us. Like, that is a special yeah. little fishery. That one, like, that's a yeah. there are a lot of little fish in there. But wow, yeah. the best. That's the best fishing I've ever had for a, a three day drift. Like we've caught yeah. 30, 40, 50 cod, probably fifty mid hot, yeah, sixty odd on on the bidgey back when it was really on for a yeah. three day drift. But yeah, ninety mm-hmm. fish. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, pretty special. Yeah. Um, clear water, a summer fishery, hands down. Uh, so now's your time to go. It's fishing yep. so good after the floods. Just make sure you haven't got rainfall be- that's come down before it. One thing I would recommend is in our trip report, uh, we write trip reports on all our sessions. So when I went to Canberra with Graham, I wrote trip reports on the lakes and the bidgey over there. And in it, we talk about what we used, where we went, the flows of our trip, what the height was during the trip and the fluctuations, the weather patterns, what we think works, what you should use for the rest of that season. The detail in the trip reports is ridiculous. Um, It's so valuable for those spots. Yeah, the flows are really important, aren't they? Like to be able to match up, you know, so radio. And it's not necessarily always good either. I mean, generally, because we're able to research and go radio, 
this is when we need to go. They're generally pretty close to being bang on, but sometimes they're not, and you'll hear about that as well. But to be able to go rodeo, it's at X amount of metres or certain amount of megalitres running down the river. It was this. This is how we fished. This is why it was good. That's really, really important. Like I feel for myself, because I'm not very experienced in the rivers, whenever I sort of hear when you've done a trip that I haven't been on or whatever, it's like, right, yeah, this is really good at this level. I think that's so critical because the river can change so much from one level to the next and it can affect how the fishing is really, really quickly. Majorly. And so that's super, yeah, like that's really, um, yeah, important information. Yeah, for sure. Flow's the number one thing for a river. I will yeah. tell you this now, hands down. Getting your flow right is perfect. I have not drifted the section of river we float around Wagga for over three years and it hurts to say that because it's my favorite part of the country. It is still not dropped for three years. Flows are first and then clarity comes after that along with consistency but they all usually come together. So if it does drop but it's not consistent and it's not clear, it's still not right but the flow, I don't even care about the color of the water all the consistency yeah. until it drops to the right flow. And how yeah. am I meant to know what a reading of 1.8 means at a river I've never oh, been exactly. to? Do exactly. you know what I mean? It, and those yeah. readings all depend on where that post is put in. So some places mm-hmm. read at like 4.8 meters and the, yeah, yeah. the site above it might read at 0.8 meters even though it's the yeah. same river. So it's impossible to know yeah. unless you've been told or you've fished it all the time and work yeah, it out. Yeah, so exactly. we've, uh, we're actually in the Murray River maps we built inside the membership. Uh, I think it is the like the Yarrawonga to Tokemore section, which is available. We're working on the Lake Hume to Bundalong section and we're working on other sections as well. In them, there's a section on river flows. So every river yeah. section that we load moving forward, we're going to be loading a fair few this year. Moving forward, in there, there's a river flow section and basically we break it down into what are the key flows for that river and at what flows, what style of fishing do you do? So, for example, on the Murray, for that section we have, we're going to copy the template, which is very high, high, medium, blah, 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 all the way down to low, very low. And we'll say what is low. Low and like medium to low is your key flows and low will say, you know, 4,000 to 5,000 megalitres at this place is average for this time of year or average for a certain yeah. time of year and the perfect height to go whereas maybe yeah. 2,000 and below is not like is not enough you'll struggle to get around a boat fishing can still be good blah 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 so that's yeah. just critical info that we're trying to collect and share as we grow each spot um, yeah sure moving forward can you then tell us we got home so we went to the ovens if you guys have any more questions about the ovens, I highly recommend you jump on the membership. The other thing you will get inside the membership is access to us, to ask questions. Uh, all the report yeah. writers, all the contributors are there to help you with their area. So that is Jake's area. He fishes it all the time. Yeah. He's been on the drift. He's drifted that river a couple of times since we've been there. Um, so as yeah. things change, he's there with that info. Uh, plus, you got access to you know yourself and myself and everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we did that. Uh, we caught yep. heaps of fish. We come home. Tell us about your little uh, boat that you have done up in the meantime temporarily just <laughs> to be able to access a small section of river which resulted in an awesome trip with your boys. Yeah, yeah. So um, come back from that trip and, you know, you get home and you tell the boys all about it and go, you know, it was amazing, blah, blah. And 
I thought, you know what, let's have a crack. I've got a, um, just a, it was a $500 inflatable that we actually bought a few years ago to drift um, down the Tumut River. I go to the Tumut um, on Australia Day every year for the weekend. And I think it was my wife who actually had it pop up somewhere. And we went, oh, look, Dan, this would be pretty cool. We could take this down the Tumut. So we've done that a couple of times. with no decks or anything on it, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, How much is the boat? $500. So a nice, cheap little yep. boat. Just yeah, It's n- not comparable to the boats. No, like if you it, treated it like Matt did, you would have popped it on that stick. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a tacker cat boat. It is a cheaper um, inflatable. But, but it's, I thought, yeah. you know what? Let's have a crack. I had, I'd gained that access to a section of the Bidgee um, on some private property and... You know, sort of had a bit of a feel for what the river looked like up there. I thought, oh, bugger it, let's have a go. I looked on, actually looked on um, on Google Earth and went, you know, there's a nice big pool there. Let's see how we can, uh, you know, pimp this boat out and uh, and get it on the water. So down the hardware, I bought two sheets of 15mm ply, had a bit of 4B2 hanging around the shed, uh, made two sections of the deck because uh, this boat's not actually flat like the other ones are. It's got a sort of rise in the nose. Um, and at the back as well so I had to sort of step them a little bit I had an old tiller steer um, water snake that I've had for probably over 20 years that used to go on my canoe whacked that on there grabbed the lithium out of the big boat and yeah basically cut the timber out put it together yep okay cool looks fine loaded into the ute went down the river put it all together and had absolutely no idea how these things were going to handle because when we'd done it just down the tumor, we hadn't really fished out of it at all. It sort of just drift down, pull up and then fish. Anyway, we all jump on and it's like, wow, we can actually all stand on this and, you know, it, this this is actually going to work. So it's like, righty let's get into some fishing. And we, we had a hell of a time. Like the kids were just, you know, they sort of got that vibe of, you know, the same way we do out of the inflatables where you're just sort of immersed in the river. Um, you're at water level. There's no gunnels. You can just stand and flick to the edge. And I mean, Dill caught a fish before we even set off in the boat or, you know, dropped off right at the edge. We get over to the other side after we've worked out, yes, we're not going to drown because we can actually make this boat work. Yep. Cruise across the other side. And Henry misses a fish within minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. Fish are pretty happy. Dill's dropped one. Henry's dropped one. Puts it in again, pulls a little cod. And his face is just like, holy smokes, I've just caught a cod. I haven't caught a cod for ages. And we net it and have a photo. And, and you know, all this is happening on this new little rough-as little inflatable job we've done. And we've, we drifted around that afternoon. We fished half a day the next day and ended up with eight fish, and it was incredible. The kids absolutely loved it, and they've been on to me about getting back there ever since. The river has been up a little bit. I still think I'd probably try it because it is a big pool, so it probably won't matter so much if there is a bit more water in it, but they've been into me like, come on, Dad, you know, it's nice weather this weekend. Let's get the inflatable and, and go and do that stretch of river again. Uh, they absolutely loved it, mate. So Cool. Uh, yeah, we camped on the side of the river and, you know, cooked a few snags and stuff in the bank and 
you know, again, it's a sort of adventure type of thing. It's not necessarily about the fishing, but to be able to be out there on the water, on a boat, in the river, catch a couple of fish, they're just like, this, you know, doesn't get any better. And I remember, I think I said to you, Henry said to me, it's so much nicer on the river because you've got something to cast at. Yeah. Where we do a lot in the impoundments and it's just like this massive amount of water all around you and, you know, you yeah, we pull up to a bank or a stand of trees or whatever and you can fish them, but this is like right there. If you see a stump on the opposite side of the river, you just literally 20 seconds you're across and you fish that one because it's in the shade or whatever it might be. It's just, he, he was like, this is so much nicer. It's pretty just, cool. You know, keep doing this. Uh, yeah, no, it was a really, really good trip and that was... Basically, I was inspired by the uh, the whole ovens inflatable trip. It was just like, I've got to try and make something here. I've got to try and do this so that we can get out and do it with the kids. Just to be able to share the experience with them, to try and give them a feel of, of what it's like to, to do that style of fishing. And um, it's going to be a staple for us from, from here on for sure. Because the other option um, is to have like a small boat like so my boat i can put on a river and i can put it on a dam you obviously do a lot of impairment fishing so for you to go fork out money you've either got to fork out money for another tinny um do it out of a tinny but then it still restricts you when the river's low you need boat ramps um i wouldn't do it i just yeah it's it's, even if i could buy a tinny for a thousand bucks i'd you know i'd still spend the money and do an inflatable setup because when yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's it's a great option, and I love how you've now pulled what a five hundred dollar boat. And how much do you spend on timber? Two hundred bucks. Oh, at most, at absolute most. Two sheets pulled, of ply, couple of screws, and that was it. And you literally floated around on a pool with the boys. They could cast yep. with a little lecky, yep. eight fish. Yep. Awesome yep. little session that you would either have yeah. a bank walk or. Yep kayak but you'd have to buy three kayaks or two kayaks yeah um, uh, little bank teeny walking, bank walking with the kids uh, doesn't you may, well just take, you may as well just take me trail lures and just throw it in the water and then <laughs> start fishing because you know there's only so many times you're going to swim for a spinner boat that's been thrown in the most ridiculous spot or a hard body it's like don't throw the hard body there don't okay you threw the hard body there and it's like jammed up in a lock. It's like, oh, here we go again, back in the drink. No, it's too deep. Break it off. Yes. So, you know, we, yeah, to, to be able to actually float on the water. And it literally is, it's floating on the water. Like it's it's really hard if, if the people out there listening haven't done it. It's actually really hard to describe, I think, just how nice it feels to be able to do it. But if you get the opportunity or if you've been thinking about doing an inflatable setup, don't think anymore. Get it. Get it done. <laughs> or just hold off until we make this video, so you got a bit of direction. Because I yeah, that's, that's put a bit of time into the design uh, of yeah. the boat, and I'll run through it when I explain it. And yeah. Mitchy designed his boat, same boat, designed different decks. Yes, it has features that I do like in the deck, but there's a couple where yeah. spots where he stuffed up. Um, yeah which reduces storage and whatever. But there's a design that I come up with so that it takes the pressure off the actual seams in the bottom of the boat and I'll just make it last a bit longer. Even if you get a cheap one, I started with a cheap one and I won't get into it because I actually might tell this story with Chris. Um, yeah. I started with one that was 300 bucks, exact, very yeah. similar design to the one you've got and it got us through years and years and years and years and it just didn't hold together 
um, in the long run, whereas these boats are like built like rocks. So yeah, that's just, I, I just think they're a really good option, especially if you do have a big boat for an impoundment, you've spent all this money on a big boat and that reduces you to not fishing rivers. If you're not a fan yep. of fishing rivers, don't worry about it. If you don't even have, uh, can't afford even a big boat for dams, you could put this little boat on a dam as well as a river. I actually yeah. took it up to a three-mile dam up in the Snowies yeah. for a stray day, just took it out there just to paddle around with me boy and get out there and end up taking his yeah, um, awesome. grandmother for a float with so Noah and his grandmother and I just went for a paddle just to show the lake and do something yeah. for an hour and threw a hard body out and paddled back downwind. He caught his first fish. Yeah. Uh, which is a rainbow trout, so not a redfin. I thought it might end up being a redfin or a carp, <laughs> but Noah wound it in. I was basically yeah, trolling along um, in the little rubber boat, so it doubles yeah. up for little family trips like that. Um, yeah. They were designed as a tender for a um, the big boats gonna, and also for caravans. Say, you can put a, a petrol motor on it. So yeah, yeah. The wrong idea that they're just an electric boat. They they proper built so you can put a petrol motor on them. So. Yeah, they're made, they're not they're built for they're not built for an electric at the front. Yeah. That's how we where we design the decks. But the yeah. next boat I design, I'll design it so that I can actually put a petrol on the back with a removable deck for some trips. So say for example we go away on a holiday, um, I could still actually get out and fish. I could actually mount my sounders, my live tech, my pole, everything. I could mount a screen on it, petrol motor in the back, yeah. lecky on the front. Yeah. Um and they come in a range of different sizes. But I wouldn't recommend if you wanted it for creeks, I wouldn't recommend going over three meters. You could, but yeah. you don't really need the space. There's plenty of room. Yeah, it's fairly tight. We're not shoulder to shoulder. There's a bit of a gap between us. No. But the bigger you get, it's just bigger. It's just more to move around on little stuff. And we yeah. take it in some pretty yeah. small water. It just becomes heavier and yeah. yeah, three meters is per. You could go three, four if you really want to, if you're going to put a petrol on it and do a bit more in the impoundments, but three yeah. meter inflatable. Um, if you don't have the money or don't want to do a setup where you sort of have the big setup like us, literally do what Dan's done, which is what I did yeah. when I was a kid. A couple yeah. of bits of tip, but make sure you put a timber plank on it because they are rubbish to fish from standing in the bottom, plus you just stand on all your bags and your gear. Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Even if you just buy a board and just sit it on top of it. Like, I don't... Mine's not bolted to the boat at all. It's got a couple of, like... Um, and the, the proper inflatables are the same, except you've got the sort of lock-in bit that sits in the bottom. But um, it's just a couple of the uh, holders for the paddles that I've cut around, and that's all that holds that deck in place. And it completely changes it. Because I remember doing it on the chair going, oh, you know, this is fun because it's, you know, you're drifting down a nice uh, river... But fishing-wise, it was absolutely rubbish. To stand, you can't stand in the inflatable if you stand in the floor. It's not very nice. And they come with these little seats, like two rows of seats. Supposed to be able to put four people in it. And it's just, nah, don't do it. I I fished it without even any carpet on the deck, which I will be definitely putting carpet on because it worked. I wasn't even sure it was going to work. So now that I know that it does, I will be carpeting top and bottom, obviously, bottom so you don't wear through your splinters boat and top because dill got a splinter in his foot within the first half an hour of fishing out there so um which i yeah you can sort of hear him talking about in the clip i put together for he's like oh i'm like oh you know i actually thought he put a hook in the boat or something he's like oh i've just got a massive splinter in my foot (laughs) yeah you gotta be careful it's only a temporary deck yeah yeah. so carpet will go a long way 
yeah, it won't be that temporary. It'll just be carpeted as it is, I think. So yeah. Um, as the other thing I was going to say, for those who are listening, you guys listen to the podcast. If for some reason you don't know who Dan is, which I'm sure you do by now, make sure you go over and search on YouTube Dan Weber Fishing and check out all of the videos there and all of the content. You actually filmed a video from that session uh, on the river. So for those who yeah, want to see, yeah, you even did fun. like a little time lapse of building the decks and setting the boat up. So you actually get a really good idea of how you actually put that boat together. But Make sure you go check them out, watch that video or any other video of Dan's um, and what we might do when we create this video of our walkthrough of the boat and how we use it is we might even just for, for, for fun, we might just get your boat out and yeah. just show it afterwards, you know, yep. use an example of what you did with a cheaper one because, you know, yep. spending a few thousand on a... And it, that literally, those tacker cats are in the ballpark of an expensive Hobie. Probably not even expensive Hobie. They're getting really expensive now. Um, they are, yeah. They're around that two thousand. They're in that two thousand dollar mark. Yep. But they'll last forever. Whereas, yep. you know, you might not want to go down that path. Here's an option for, uh, you know, the, the cheaper inflatables that you just buy online uh, somewhere. Yeah, definitely. We'll just definitely. show. That. I mean, you know, we bought we bought a few years ago. They might be a little bit more expensive now, but. It's still an option to give it a go. Just you know, see if you like it. Yeah, for people that don't fish all that often too, like you might tuck it away in the shed and not use it for another six months. Like, yeah, spend big bucks. So you know, it's yeah, it's a a good little option. Fun, proper good fun. The next step. So currently, mine all goes in the back of my car and on the roof racks. The next step with mine is to get a little box trailer with some decks and carpet and rollers on it to sort of roll it up on the box yeah. trailer and store everything underneath so that we can launch it and bring it in when we have boat ramps or if we've got a yeah. boat ramp at one end I can set it up the night before and then we pack it up at the other end or vice versa yeah. and only because I use it all the time and I've now got the the ideal setup um, with yeah. the inflatables so yeah. yeah, don't spend your money if you don't enjoy sitting down in a kayak you don't really like it or you want to fish more efficiently mm. don't buy a kayak Look into investing in something like a little inflatable. Yeah, they're epic, yeah. epic. They are absolutely incredible to fish out of. But yeah, I like I said, it's hard to sort of describe. Like the the fishability, but also just that whole immersion. Like you just feel so much more a part of your environment. Um, where I mean, I used to fish out of a canoe, and yeah, it was sort of the same. Though you, you just got that real. Nice feeling when you first push off when you you know you glide into your canoe, but I think you're sort of stuck sitting in that thing. Um, I used to try and stand up a fair bit, and I was you know fairly fairly good on my feet because I got used to it. But um, yeah, to be able to actually stand and just be at that level and being able to see and and fish, it's yeah, they are incredible things to fish out of. Pretty cool. My goal is yeah. to get a big one from it. We actually have yeah. caught a meter cod out of it. Talos got a meter cod. He's only, I think it's his only river meter, but he got it off the top yeah, right. one session we did in that rubber boat. So it's accounted for a meter from the Bidgee. That was a pretty Amazing. special moment to see that one come in. Yeah. And we've, I never used to think a net would fit in it. Um, and we used to take <laughs> this little skimpy net. Uh, you may have seen in some of the videos the <laughs> drift that Dan and I did. It's in the membership. Um, it's like a little trout net and used to take that on all their trips and I thought it was always fine but I actually watched a video back with Talos and I have a couple of times the fish just fell out of that net so not just you mate. <laughs> uh, good, good to Since know. Since then, 
I went to Canberra with Graham and he brought that massive environment out. I didn't even think we'd fit it on the boat and it really was fine. And since then, I found like a good-sized kayak net. You'd fit, yeah, you'd get a meter his head in it and, you'd, yeah, you'd get you'd get an 80-centimeter yeah. cod in it. But then if I think I'm going to yeah. catch bigger fish, I've got the environment. So with the decks, you really can yeah. fit a net on it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, there's way more room in them things than what they actually look like. I don't know, they just pack so efficiently because those you can just literally sit stuff on the deck. And yeah, you've sort of got those bungee cords and things to hold things in place, but um, it, stuff just tends to just sit there because it's so stable. So, and if it does yeah. fall out, you literally don't have to go over a gunnel to grab it. It's like right there. Like yeah, a, that's right. The net, I think, we've yeah. dropped a couple of times, just dropped off the side. You can just grab it. And I love yeah. just being able to sit on it with your dangly feet in the water. And you can literally just sit there and cast with your feet yeah, in the water well, or swim well, out of it or, yeah. I'd done that for an hour or two down the ovens when my back was that crook from lifting the bloody thing around that tree when we didn't unload it, which we should have. In hindsight, unloaded a bit more gear. But, um, yeah, just sitting there on the front deck, feet in the water, casting to the edge, um, just giving me back a bit of a rest. So, and then it was, Because it was hot and then the water's cool and it, it's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. So now that we're at the end of this podcast, if you are actually sort of real keen on these inflatables and, and you should be if it suits your style of fishing um, and I'm not trying to endorse anything here at all I just I love them and I've fished I fish with three different brands as I've grown up um, and I just ended up with these tacker cats um, I really like them but I am endorsing the style of fishing because it is awesome it is I don't just do it because I do it because it's fun and we love it uh, if you are interested, it's probably worth, if you want to see more of the content, I will have a few Instagram stories coming out, reels, sorry, Instagram reels coming out, clips from our ovens trip, little walkthrough, but something that would be worthwhile watching is that Ovens River film. It will be a part of the membership, yeah. but it'll also be for sale separately. might just be worth checking that out so you can see our entire adventure and just the boats in all the film and the footage and to see what it's like to fish from one. Um, probably worth checking out also just to watch an awesome jam-packed action session. Yeah. Can you stop talking about it? What's that? The, the film? Video. Oh, yeah, just sorry about that. Yeah, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Well, Hang on. Yeah, people wouldn't... We wouldn't have this podcast <laughs> if I was... <laughs> There's lots of videos yeah. and podcasts and lots to yeah. do, but... Uh, full on. I'll be, full I'll, on. I'll be onto that. And we've got lots happening... Uh, with SF this year, lots of growth. We're going to create more, so much cool stuff, which I will share with you down the track very soon. But one huge announcement, which we talked about at the start of this episode, is the Sounder series. So make yeah. sure you, now that this is finished, this episode, just go straight away after I finish talking or Dan finishes talking, whoever talks last. Go and check it out. Yeah, go on a website, socialfishing.com.au. At the very top, click join the email list. It'll give you a name and email. Just grab that so that in the next few days yeah. when you get the email, you'll be able to see that. If you miss that, just jump on our website or follow our socials because there'll be links to the standard Sounder series without the discount. Um, we've got a big discount on that for our email list. If you want to learn how to use a Sounder, it will be the best investment that you make. You'll actually be able to use your Sounder, your thousands of dollars that you've got sitting there in your Sounder to its full yeah. potential. Yeah so much power in that and I really enjoyed what we filmed at Burrenjuk just how to apply it and how it looks yeah. on the screen when you're catching fish so so cool yeah yeah no, it's, yeah huge huge advantage and it was actually quite fun to film it was good to roll through and yeah 
it's, it's amazing when you actually sit down with your gear and, and nut it out and take the time to capture those images, uh, just exactly what you can pick up down there. It's incredible. And one, the morning session, what we did, just, just for an example for you listening, is we filmed a start to finish, this is how I use my sounder, and the, the scenario we used was golden perch in the standing trees just because yep. it's a scenario that you can actually use you need it like you really need your sounder so i filmed dan going right we're on the lake let's go i'm going to go to a spot where i think there's fish step by step how do we start with our side scan then how do we narrow in the fish then how do we get on top of the fish and then how do we use our sonar to see what the fish are doing below us to then catch fish it's the whole step-by-step process Yeah. yeah all about yeah you know you've got hundreds of meters of water all around you turning that into a 50 meter patch that are holding the fish because realistically, in, in your empowerments, that's what it's like. You know, 90% of the fish are holding in 10% of the lake. Yes. So, yeah, your sand is just allowed, you, you know, a stab in the dark, you could do that for two weeks and not actually find them. But being able to cruise around and cover so much water, like you say, with your side scan first and then narrow it down onto your down scan, eventually a sonar where you're sitting right on top of them, it's just major time saver. You're actually you know, by taking the time to sound, you're actually going to catch more fish because your fishing time is, is going to be that much more productive. Bang on. Mm. Perfect, mate. Righto. Thank you very much for the episode, uh, the chat. I hope you enjoyed listening. I'm sure you did because it's another one that we've rolled out and my apologies that we didn't have one out sooner. I hope you enjoyed a little chat about the inflatables and the Ovens River. It was a good little refresher from, I know it was a, a few weeks ago now we did it, so it was awesome to talk about it again. Um, yeah, it's always good to yeah, bring back memories. Trips. Yeah. I reckon a good one to chat about would be coped and I could talk about that one all over again. Yeah, that's right, yeah. There's so many memories and that's what was good about the expo. We had heaps of clips playing old ones that we watched back because we're always editing new videos. So Yeah, yeah. Always good to share stories. If, yeah. um, make sure you guys jump on that email list. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and we will be back with more in the future, mate. Thanks for joining me yeah. and you enjoy your weekend. No fishing Thanks, this mate. weekend. No, no fishing this weekend. Got a party on this weekend, so that'll be uh, that'll be good. Catch up with a few people. But um, yeah, thank you, mate. It's been um, good to chat as always. Awesome. Talk to you later.